Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. This is Jovan, a.k.a. Loose Wayne, bringing you another episode of Complicated Dap. Um, first and foremost, at the top of the show, I want to thank everybody who's been supporting us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on uh, the Xbox Live slash Zoom store, um, and on the SoundCloud page. We appreciate all the listens. We appreciate all the comments. We appreciate you sharing the show, and we appreciate the ratings. Uh, that being said, I want you guys to keep commenting, keep rating, keep sharing. Um, we are really trying to build a giant machine here, and we cannot do that without you all. Um, now that we got that out of the way, I also want to plug um, our sponsor for this episode. Um, our sponsor is Amazon.com. And uh, all you need to do to support the show, to make sure we get a little bit of change for bringing you all this fly free content is go to the BlurredMediaGroup.com webpage um, and click on the Amazon banner at the top of the page um, and shop on Amazon.com like normal. Holiday season is right around the corner. Black Friday and Cyber Monday and Christmas and Thanksgiving and New Year's and birthdays and all of that fly stuff is right around the corner. So if you're going to shop online anyway, come to the BlurredMediaGroup.com webpage Click on our Amazon banner. It'll take you to Amazon.com. Shop like normal. And the show gets a portion of whatever you spend on Amazon. It doesn't cost you any more. You don't have to do anything else. But spend those ducats like you normally spend them. This week, we want to go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about one of my favorite subjects, one of my favorite um, genres or subgenres in pop culture. And that is uh, all things zombie. Okay. Uh, the Walking Dead is a huge groundbreaking television show, um, record-breaking, I should say, not groundbreaking. Well, maybe it's both groundbreaking and record-breaking. Anyway, lots of people love The Walking Dead. Um, it's always a trending topic on Sunday nights on Twitter when it's on. Um, gr lots of people are reading the comic. That comic book is 10 years strong now. Uh, but in addition to The Walking Dead, I want to get into some uh, zombie fiction. A lot of the times when folks um, think about zombies and and want to discuss zombies they always go straight to the movies and now the television shows and possibly comic books but um fiction prose about the zombie apocalypse is often left out of the discussion so uh this evening this morning this afternoon um whatever time it is wherever you are we're going to get into um all things uh, well not all things but some things zombie we're going to start with um the November the Sunday November 10th episode of The Walking Dead uh, that episode was called Internment. And um, first and foremost, I want to say that I wasn't really all the way on board with this season of The Walking Dead. Um, it started off it started off interestingly enough with the introduction of a number of new characters, um, in particular some characters of color. I think on my last solo episode, I um, I took shots or um, I took offense with The Walking Dead with their lack of uh, characters of color in dynamic or nuanced roles. And I even wrote a blog post on the Blurred Media Group website about the same thing. But um, since that show, excuse me, since the first episode of this season has aired, um, we've seen some interesting things happen with the characters of color. I, I still feel that they're not being used to their full potential, but we're getting more, more um, dynamic performances out of those, uh, out of those characters, out of Tyrese, out of Sasha, out of uh, out of Bob, than we have, and um, then we got out of T Dog and um, 
you know, some of the other um, characters of color in the past. But um, this week's episode was significant in that we finally got a lot of action at the prison. Um, we know that the, the zombie flu has been kind of running through the prison population, making everyone sick and creating a threat inside the prison that um, is just as, as great as the, uh, the horde that is collecting at the, uh, at the prison gates. Um, in this episode, without giving too much away for the folks who haven't seen it yet, in this episode, <coughs> excuse me, I still have a touch of the zombie flu myself. We get, um, we get a lot of uh, conversations between the different characters on the show, uh, between Herschel and Glenn, um, between Herschel and um, I can't remember the gentleman's name, the, the Indian doctor, um, between Rick and Carl. We just get to see a very human side of these characters that in previous episodes we didn't get to see um, very much of. Um, another interesting thing about this episode is that Rick returns to the prison and um, he lets Maggie know uh, right away that he's basically excommunicated Carol because um, she killed um, she killed the, the, the other two survivors and, and burned them before the uh, the zombie flu could spread. And um, Maggie took it really well. She sided with Rick and said, you know, she basically said, I understand your decision. Um, I would have done the same thing. And she goes back to the business of um, trying to repair that fence. So that was interesting to see how quickly Maggie um, got over Carol's uh, excommunication. What's interesting to see and what we didn't get to see in this episode was um, how Daryl is going to react to that. You know, over the um, three or four, uh, three, four or five seasons of the show, Daryl and Carol, um, <laughs> their names rhyme. Um, Daryl and Carol have grown quite close. And, um, you know, Rick, when uh, he kind of went a little bit crazy and took a backseat role, Daryl has assumed more of a leadership role within the group. And um, Carol also assumed a greater leadership role within the group. So it'll be interesting to see that how the dynamics between Daryl and Rick change um, when they discuss what happened to Carol. Um, I, for one, understand Rick's um, motivation for kicking Carol out of the group and, and having her leave the prison, um, her, her willingness to just to kill um, her decisions were very amoral. You know, they were cold and calculating and she, she measured the, the lives of the few against the lives of the many. And um, Rick, because I think his, his children are still alive. Um, Carl and Judith, is still holding on to this life before the zombie apocalypse. So he's not ready to abandon that part of his humanity and uh, make those tough decisions like Carol is. And, um, you know, I think as a, as a viewer, you can understand Carol's position because um, in the course of the show, she's lost everything that matters to her. And the only thing she has left is, um, is the group and her place in the group. So it makes sense that she would uh, risk so much and take such drastic actions to try to save the only thing that um, that still matters to her. In addition to the um, interaction between Rick and Maggie, we get to see Herschel kind of in his element. Um, we get to see Herschel as as a man of faith, as a father, as someone who is 
pretty much lived his entire life um, before the zombie apocalypse. He's the most senior member of the uh, survival group in terms of, of just age. And he, he takes his life or he takes what's left of his life into his own hands. And he decides to contribute to the group by um, ministering to not ministering to, but you know, giving care to the sick. He's um, making this tea out of like Georgia pine needles or something like that. That's supposed to bring down the fever and um, prolong or, or hold off the inevitable death that a lot of the folks who've been infected with this zombie flu will uh, most likely experience. And um, his time in there, you know, puts him at, at puts his life in danger constantly. And um, all through this episode, again, without giving away entirely too much of the action, um, he takes some pretty significant risks to, to help the people that he's grown close to. So in a way he's doing the same thing that Carol is doing. Um, but just in his own way, you know, he's, he's, he's sacrificing, um, himself to save the group where Carol was willing to sacrifice other people to save the group. We don't get very much of, uh, the group that went off to the, um, to the veterinary college, uh, this episode, they're still outside, still making their way back to the prison. Um, so we don't get a lot of interaction with Daryl, Michonne, Tyrese, and Bob in this episode, although they do get back, um, toward the end of the episode after all of the action has happened. Coming back to Rick, another dynamic that I'm glad they're finally exploring on the show is, um, is Carl as he grows up and becomes something of a leader in this world where, you know, the dead come back and, uh, and walk the earth as zombies. Um, one of the things that's always been very interesting to me about the comic and about the premise of the walking dead, um, in general is what happens to people's, uh, humanity, what happens to morality, what happens to, to children who grow up in a world where, death is as common as a sunrise and um you know zombies are are a real thing you know kids don't they kids the way we think of them um can't really survive in this world kids have to become ruthless they have to become hunters they have to become um on guard at all times and um i see a lot of folks on twitter and just in conversation being very irritated with Carl because he won't stay in one place and he's always mouthing off and talking back to the adults and he's always wanting to help instead of staying back behind and being safe. But to me, it, it makes sense that um, Carl, who's seen his dad kind of crack up, seen his dad assume this, you know, this this heavy load of leadership of this group, and he's seen his dad be relatively successful um, at this, at this role that he's undertaken, it makes sense to me that Carl would want to assume the same sort of leadership responsibilities. And, um, in many ways, in particular, um, this season, we've seen Carl make decisions that seem much more, um, logical and more suited to the world in which, um, the survivors occupy than, than Rick's decisions. And, um, again, as I mentioned earlier, Rick, because his children, because he hasn't lost everything, he's still holding on to these notions of of life before the zombie apocalypse. And it's almost like he's holding on to the hope that 
things will somehow be okay and that things will somehow be normal. Um, for example, um, in the last episode with uh, Rick and Carol before he excommunicated her, he's having a conversation about, you know, his wife making pancakes um, on a Sunday morning. And, you know, that really showed um, to me that Rick isn't ready to let go of that life. And um, it puts his ability to be a leader of the group in the long term into question. Because um, as the zombie apocalypse kind of just goes on and, and, and at some point people are going to just have to accept that this is the world that they live in and they're going to have to adjust to it. And um, I don't think the folks who were adults before the zombie apocalypse happened are going to be very well suited to living in the world um, as it is currently um, on the show in, in, in this realm that Kirkman has created. Um, so I've always kind of had this secret wish and prediction, uh, <clears throat> excuse me for Rick and Carl in the walking dead comic, which is um, that Rick, Rick dies in the comic and Carl assumes leadership of the group and the walking dead uh, series continues on with Carl. Um, it's a bit early in the television show for them to be exploring um, something that drastic. I mean, most viewers of the show are fans of Rick and not very many are fans of Carl. So I think if they killed Rick this early in the show, a lot of people would just be turned off by it. Um, because I, I don't think folks are ready to accept a, um, a child protagonist. Um, the actor who plays Carl is still pretty young. Um, so, you know, it, it would be hard for us to watch that show and believe that this kid could uh, keep the survivors safe. But um, I really think that's where Kirkman's going with with the premise of the show. And um, I don't know. I'm just really excited to see what happens there. Um, again, I don't want to give too much away about the internment episode. So I'm going to stop um, my conversation about it there. But um, I will say, if you haven't seen the episode yet, this is probably the most exciting episode. Um, it's definitely the most exciting episode of the season, but it's probably the most exciting episode of, of the series um, so far. There's a lot of tension in this episode. There's a lot of drama. And the episode even ends with, um, with a rather... Um, a rather awesome surprise. So if you haven't seen it yet, go ahead and watch it. Uh, if you have seen it, um, hit me up on Twitter at Blurred Media and let me know what you think about it. Next up, I kind of want to get into some of my favorite um, authors and books in uh, the zombie genre. Uh, first up, I want to talk about an author named um, Joe McKinney, and he's created a, a series of novels that... Um, He's ref he refers to as the Dead World series and um, a little bit of background about Joe McKinney. He is, um, I believe, a retired police officer from um, from Texas, I think Houston or Dallas. I can't exactly remember where, but um, he's also an author and a family man. And um, McKinney's um, Dead World series is written like uh, a police procedural television show or movie. Um he adds a lot of detail to the books that I think somebody who works in law enforcement, um, only someone who works in law enforcement would see. You know, he describes 
uh, city blocks the way a tactician would describe them. He describes encounters with zombies the way somebody would describe encounters with uh, criminals or perpetrators. So his style of writing um, is very it's 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 really great because you get that um, that first person shooter police um, detective type of perspective when you're reading his work. But um, uh, his his novels take place in in the Gulf Coast area. So we're talking uh New Orleans, Texas, you know, that whole, that whole area down there. And he, he actually throws in, excuse me, a little bit of a hurricane Katrina twist. Um, he basically, um, starts off the zombie apocalypse starts because of the toxic soup that is mixed into the, uh, into the floodwaters after a hurricane. And, um, it knocks over some oil rigs. It, it gets some toxic waste in there. Um, just a lot of chemical stew, and um, he doesn't spend a lot of time trying to explain the science behind it, but he basically alludes to the um, the toxins in the water bringing back um, bringing back the dead. And um, there are three or four novels. Excuse me. There's four novels in the series, and he actually has a short story that's available for purchase on Amazon for um, for the Kindle for ninety nine cents. And um, you know, he just really does a, a great job of of creating this very, very realistic world, um, where the dead live. And, um, you know, we're introduced to several protagonists, um, over the court throughout, throughout the course of his novels. Um, you know, we've got older male cops. We've got a, uh, a female officer, um, who's trying to keep her family, including her husband safe in the zombie apocalypse. Um, we've got the U S government just kind of giving up on the Gulf coast and erecting a wall between them and the rest of the country to try to, um, quarantine the Gulf coast and keep the zombie apocalypse behind the wall. Um, but of course that doesn't work. The zombies get, um, you know, through the wall, through cracks in the wall, um, and the, uh, the apocalypse spreads and, um, you know, again, without giving away too much of of the uh, the details in the Dead World series, I will say that um, McKinney creates a world that I think is more realistic than Robert Kirkman and The Walking Dead, um, and it's also it's also darker. Um, you know, every time I read the book, I pictured the uh, the cities that McKinney described and and the and the countrysides and the small towns as always being very dark and very overcast, um, even in the morning, kind of like, um, kind of like the world in Cormac McCarthy's, uh, the road. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie or, um, if you've ever done any travel, um, like London in the spring or like Seattle all year round. It just always, the way he describes it, the pictures that he paints makes the world just seem very gray and very dark. And, um, you know, these books are actually pretty scary. So, if you want your zombies to be scary again, um, you know, this is no knock at Kirkman or, or any of the other zombie movies, but we've, we've seen, we've had zombies done so much, um, that they're no longer scary. But, uh, if you want to read a zombie novel and be kind of, you know, kind of afraid, then I highly recommend, uh, Joe McKinney's series of, um, of zombie novels, the dead world series. Um, you can go to Joe McKinney's website. If you go to Google, and you type in Old Major's Dream, um, you'll go to Joe McKinney's website. He's an award-winning author, so 
you know, this isn't just my recommendation. He's um, his work is pretty good. So um, check him out. Check out the Dead World series and uh, hit me up on Twitter or hit me up on the Facebook page and let me know how you like it. In addition to uh, Joe McKinney's books, there's a book written by um, by a black guy named Colson Whitehead. And his book is called Zone One. And um, I think Zone One came out in 2011. And um, while McKinney's book reads like a police procedural action-packed uh, drama, um, Colson Whitehead's Zone One is very, very cerebral. Um, the book is set almost entirely um, in New York State um, on the island of Manhattan. And we don't get a whole lot of zombie horde action we don't get a lot of um we, we we get a fair amount of shooting and killing of zombies i mean i don't know that you can write a zombie novel or create a zombie comic or have a zombie film without some some gratuitous you know violence and gore and i think that just comes along with the genre but um whitehead's book is super duper cerebral um 99% of the book takes place in the mind of the protagonist. And he's doing a lot of self-reflection about, you know, what his life now means in, in, in a world where the dead come back to, to, to haunt you, you know, where your nightmares attack you while you're awake and while you're asleep. Um, he, he thinks a lot about how he relates to his family before the zombie apocalypse, during the zombie apocalypse, after the apocalypse, he has lots of regrets um, lots of doubts. Um, he does things during the apocalypse that he's ashamed of. So we really get an inside look into the mind of a person trying to survive in a world where, um, you know, hell has opened up and the dead have, have risen to, to attack the living. And, um, it's probably my favorite book in the genre, um, for two reasons. One, because it's written by a black guy and two, because um, because it's so smart, you know, a lot of the books in, in the zombie genre, the um, the fiction that comes out is just really, really poorly written. Um, a lot of it shows very little respect for um, for the people who are going to be reading the books. They're poorly edited. I mean, I've, I've read stories that have been full of typos and plot points that didn't make any sense. And you know, stories that were really just um, copies of copies of copies of stories that we've seen in the films before that we've read from better authors before. And, you know, it really turns me off from trying new books in the genre, um, which is really frustrating because I like the genre a lot. But um, but Whitehead's book really shows that he put a lot of time and effort into creating a world that was not so uh gore filled but it was full of a sense of um of dread you know you felt the protagonist's fear you you could you could almost feel the sweat trickling down his cheek you could hear his heart pounding in your ears as as if you were there um while you're reading um while you're reading zone 1 um if you're into books that are more um straightforward, I'd say you probably wouldn't like zone one because parts of it do read like, um, like, like a grad student's dissertation. I mean, Whitehead is a very highbrow kind of writer 
And um, I could see where that would be a turnoff um, for some folks. But if you, you know, don't mind struggling through, you know, sometimes prohibitively long sentences and paragraphs and and the the, the inner monologue of this uh, protagonist, um, I think you'll be in for a really interesting, a really interesting read. Well, that's going to be it um, for this episode. Um, again, I'm still I'm still kind of under the weather with the uh, with the zombie flu here. But I did want to make sure I got an episode out to you guys um, on time on a Monday. Um, as usual, you can hit us up um, on social media, on Twitter at Blurred Media, um, on Facebook at Blurred Media Group. Uh, the website is BlurredMediaGroup.com. Um, you can find the show on Stitcher, on iTunes, and on Xbox Live, and on SoundCloud. Um, by searching Blurred Media on any of those services. And, um, yeah, rate, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend to tell a friend. Hit up that Amazon.com link when you're doing your holiday shopping. Again, it doesn't cost you a thing, but it does uh, support the show and allows us to make more cool stuff. The Council of Blackness will be back in the black TARDIS hovering above the kingdom of Wakanda with me shortly. And we will bring you more, uh, ratchet loud, hopefully not as drunk, um, blurdy goodness. And, uh, thanks a lot for, um, hanging out with us and listening to us and sharing the show and supporting us. And, um, until next time later. Thank you for visiting the blurred media group. We hope you've enjoyed your experience.